The 1980s were a very exciting time for music. MTV exploded onto cable television and introduced the world to artists as varied as Madonna to Motley Crue. And while many of these artists have become mainstays of classic rock radio and the oldie stations, there are many who were awesome that have sort of been lost to the sands of time. Some of these artists are still putting out great music even today. So on this week's Ludini Rock and Roll Circus podcast, we will expand your musical taste to tell you about 10 artists from the 80s that you may not remember, but should. Get ready to rock out with your talk out. It's the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. Moms and dads, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. I am your host, your ringmaster, Lou Lombardi, a.k.a. Lou Dini. So how's everybody doing this evening uh, out there in uh, internet land? Hope you guys are having a good time. We are, of course, we're getting warmed up, lubed up, and prepped to tell you all about great rock and roll. This is what we do here at the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. We get together every week and discuss uh, interesting music-related topics, maybe tell you about some bands and artists maybe you don't know about, forgot about, never heard of, etc. And hope that uh, you have a lot of fun along the way. I know we have a good time always. Uh A few things we want to get out of the way before we get started. First of all, we want to talk about some sponsors and some friends, people that uh, help us out along the way. I want to give a shout-out to Chris Underwolf Dodson at wolfscustoms.online. Go to wolfscustoms.online and get a professionally done repaint of your musical instrument. They don't just like do one colors. I mean, they can, but they uh, really can do interesting work to make your musical instrument kind of really stand out, look very, very cool. It's important, you know, you're you're getting up there on stage this year uh, doing your shows. Uh, you want to stand out. You want to do something a little bit different. Uh, Chris Thunderwolf Dotson at Wolf's Customs uh, can uh, do really amazing things with your guitar, bass, whatever instrument you play. He uh, does work on drums, all sorts of things. It doesn't really matter. Uh, you want to get a hold of those guys, you can find them on Facebook, Wolf's Customs. Check them out. RockRageRadio.com. You want to check that out because uh, you get great music programming 24-7, including... The Ludini Rock and Roll Circus, Hot Licks with Lily Six. We have Lily Six with us. Lily is a uh, is a jock on there on um, Rock Rage Radio, RockRageRadio.com. Download the app. It's 100% free, and you can listen to great music content 24-7. Also, check out our websites, LudiniRockAndRollCircus.com and LuLombardiMusic.com. They'll give you access to all kind of exclusive things like uh, our private Facebook group, um, exclusive downloads of music, uh, our YouTube arch- archive, tons of cool stuff there at LudiniRockAndRollCircus.com and LuLombardiMusic.com. All right, everybody. So um, it's been a uh, interesting week um, in music, right? We have uh, yes. they're dropping like flies. <laughs> oh, and before we get uh, to, in, in all seriousness, I do want to. Uh, say, uh, you know, a little bit of a remembrance of um, 
Matt Reiser, who was a really cool dude. And, you know, we, not old dude at all. And unfortunately passed away uh, this past week. He was a um, huge music fan here in the uh, Pittsburgh music scene. Saw him at shows all the time. And uh, on Facebook, there's been a lot of really touching tributes. A lot of people, you know, having you remember, uh, remembering him coming out to their shows and just being super supportive. Great photographer. Um, I met Matt uh, many, many years ago when he was working for South Hills Chrysler. Um, and, uh, you know, he would bring parts down and we would chew the fat about music and guitars and just a cool guy all the way around. Um, and it's just a, a very uh, sad loss for the music scene here in Pittsburgh. Um, so, uh, Matt, here's to Matt Reiser. Cheers. Cheers. You will, you will be remembered, my friend. As I mentioned earlier, we do have hot we hot licks. We do have hot we licks. We have here. hot licks here. Nice. <laughs> Was, uh, nice. I watched a uh, retrospective on MASH this week. No, I did not. I don't watch <laughs> I'm just lying. I just lie through my teeth. I just tell lies all day long. Anyways, um, so we do have Lily V6. What's up? Always. Um, do I need loudness? There we go. Now, <laughs> now, you're, now you're more louder. It's one louder. It's one louder, isn't it's it? One louder. One more. Right. One louder. She's just like one louder. <laughs> um, so what's up, Lily? What do you, what do you got going on this week? You saw some. You go to shows. You know uh, this past weekend, I saw Flashback at Gurgles, which is a cover band. They play all sorts of things: Prince, ACDC, Beastie Boys, all kinds of stuff that we all know and love. There's a lot of dancing going on. But Very it was a lot cool. Of fun. This week, Bruce Dickinson on Saturday. Nice. What do you, what's he doing? He's uh, doing. Oh, is he the, the, the spoken word? Yeah, yeah. The spoken ah. word thing. That is Saturday. That is quite interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know, I'm pretty excited about it. I can't wait to see all the people. Disappointed. I can't wait to see all the people disappointed that he's not singing, <laughs> right? Because that's what they think he's going to be doing. Yeah. Um, also, um, one of my absolute heroes. Um, I've been uh, working on my singing for about ten years now with a great vocal coach, Beth Clausen, and you know, one of the people that I come back to all the time when we sung. Tons of meatloaf songs mm. in voice lessons, and I, I just was shocked to hear about his passing this past week. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. like you know, we've uh, done. I believe we have done um, podcasts uh, on "Bad Out of Hell." We did. That is a that is just an absolutely uh, brilliant classic album. Uh, you know, go back and check that out. We will repost that on social media for for those of you out there that uh, aren't, uh, you know, haven't seen it or can't find it. Uh, it's on YouTube. It's on um, Spotify and all the places under Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. But um, I mean, I don't really know what else you could say. Um, what is your favorite meatloaf? Paradise oh. by the Dog. That's your favorite one. <laughs> Kevin, you got to... Oh, I forgot to mention, we hey. have Mr. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh hey, Kevin everybody. here. What's up, Pittsburgh? Hi, how are you? Hey, can I, can I say one thing real quick, and then we'll t- I'll talk about my favorite song? Sure. Uh, so, uh, do you remember, like, around New Year's, you asked me what my resolution was? Oh, yeah, Ke- yeah, yes. Yeah, yes and what, uh, what was it? Um, you were going to buy a Telecaster this year. And guess what I did? Kevin is yeah, holding a boy. beautiful butterscotch, butterscotch Telecaster. Telecaster right so, here. Uh, so, um, 
It even tastes like butterscotch. You just oh. was licking it earlier. That would explain really, the streaks on the front of it, Lou. It has a great oh flavor. God. Oh God. All right. It really does. All right. So there's there's many, many, many meatloaf songs that I like, but I like uh, Two Out of Three Ain't Bad. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a very cool song. Very heartfelt. I was very happy to meet him in August you, at yes. Still City Con, so I'm glad I got to do that. Yes. <laughs> very cool guy. He actually got our uh, podcast information. Hopefully he listened once or twice. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, maybe he's listening in the great beyond or whatever. Um, He was, uh, um, I loved some of my favorite meatloaf moments. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Wayne's World, where he plays the bouncer. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Uh, We have the shitty Beatles. (laughs) 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 Or is this just a clever, no, they suck. Is that a clever name, or, or, or what does he say? Are they good, or is that just a, whatever he says? No, they suck. That was great. Um, <laughs> he's uh, and I loved, of course, Fight Club. Mm-hmm. He's great. Yes. He, Robert, his name, his. I posted that, and I was wanted to see how many people got that. And I did put hashtag bad out of hell, hashtag meatloaf. Right, up. right, right. But um, no, I don't think many people picked up on it. Um, but uh, there's the famous scene, line, whatever in the movie. His name is Robert Paulson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And he plays a uh, a guy who had testicular cancer and was juicing with uh, steroids and stuff and ended up getting giant man boobs. And um, there's a scene in the movie where they're running out of a building (laughs) and Meatloaf's pants fall off. And it was not planned. It was an accident. (laughs) And... um, David Fincher just kept it in the movie. Yeah, it's, it's in one there. of those. It's one of those fun right? things to like kind of look for. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not out. It's kind of in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, you have to kind of look for it, but it's there. It, but it's absolutely. It's like the stormtrooper who hits his head it, on the door. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, and when when they went back and did the special editions, um, uh, Lucas, Lucas added a, a, a noise. noise. Yeah, dunk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's great. But um, so it's funny, but it just just the like a super <laughs> super cool guy. Yeah. Um, I lo- I'm going to go back rewatch his behind the music um, again. But um, my favorite uh, Meatloaf song, yeah, it is tough. Um, uh, Paradise by the Dashboard, like Bad Out of Hell. Um, uh, um, uh, there's too many. There's too many. Yeah, too many. There's too many but probably the, the song that I think is just really insane is the, the title track, Bad Out of Hell. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's one of those very. Uh, um, I mean, it's like progressive and heavy and operatic. It's got like everything um, to be really fun to hear somebody like Bruce Dickinson sing that or do something yes. fun with that. Well, now you have to do your tribute band. You've always talked about. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll do Meat Love, Meat Love tribute band. Have you? Uh, did you hear? Hal I know, and Philly, what's up? Hi, Hal. Did you? I'm sure you know the the Celine Dion. Um, my brain just went. It happens. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's all coming back to me now. Yeah, You've heard that's, that. That's Jim did you, yeah, did you hear Meatloaf? I've do heard it? him. Yes. Yeah, it's very good. Very yes. good. Um, let me just pull this up because uh, let me whip this out. I feel like any of the Diamond artists can be mixed and matched to sing. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, yeah. What's the uh, what's the um, um, song that Air Supply? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know the song, but I can't think of it. Yeah, like, I would love to sing, I would love to hear Meatloaf sing that. Well. Oh, that would be right. You yeah. know. But uh, I wonder if, I wonder if somewhere out there, there is a take of him doing it. Oh. Google. I'd lie for you, and that's the <laughs> truth. 
Mm-hmm. Rock and roll. Oh, rock and roll dreams. Oh, he yeah. did not sing. So, so this was interesting. Um, there was supposed to be a follow up to Bad Out of Hell, mm-hmm. and Meatloaf never showed up for any sessions. Oh, <laughs> so it's a Jim Steinman album, mm-hmm. and it is a um, there was a, there was a hit song. On and Jim Steinman just did the vocals. He just sang the songs. Yeah, you know what I mean. And he does by no means has the kind of voice that Meatloaf has. Right. But um, he sings. He did the the, the 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 hit off that album was uh, from 1991. There was the hit off of that album was called Rock and Roll Dreams Come Through. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's you know it's got the you know giant production the whole right, thing. The Jim Steinman. The, song. Yes, the absolute Jim Steinman song. And uh, eventually, though, on Bat Out of Hell uh, Two or Revisit or or whatever they uh, Bat Out of Hells or what they they did they did <laughs> yeah I think I think it was I think it was 1993 Meatloaf did finally sing it. My opinion, it's cool and he's great, but Jim Steinman captured something vocally on that yeah. song. Just that his sort of like kind of lil he has a kind of a lilting kind of voice. Mm-hmm. It's not powerful like Meatloaf's. right. So. It's a kind of vulnerable, yeah, yeah, and I think that it kind of works for that Ooh, song. But anyway, you took the words right out of my mouth. Oh my god! Oh, I see what such, you did there. Such a great song. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, on a hot summer night. What is that? Would you like offer a, your throat to the wolf with the red roses? Yes. yes. Of course you would. <laughs> yes. Of course, Bad Out of Hell, which we mentioned. There's a oh, and by the way, you know, before there was MTV or anything like that, there were music videos to these songs. Sure, yeah. And there is a several to uh, to the songs uh, Bad Out of Hell. Of course, who could forget the 11 minute? I would do anything for love, but oh. I won't do that. Yeah, right. <laughs> and he does say what he wants. People say he never said what he wants to. Yes, he says. You have to it. listen to the song. Yes, yeah. he says it. Listen to the song. You got to get you know. Come Gotta get now. six, seven minutes into it before you find out what he won't do. And as Lily mentioned, Paradise by the Dashboard Light, mm. which is this super fun song. I re- mm-hmm. I worked it up in a in a band. And um that we were too afraid to play it live. <laughs> we were just, oh man, you know, we're just gonna screw this up. It's like um it has high dick up potential. That's yeah, what we're saying. Yeah, it has high yeah. dick up potential. Yeah, but drunk people don't know. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah, but you know, and you feel like a schmuck. <laughs> yeah. Especially when you're covering like a really great song by a great artist like Meatloaf, and you screw it up, you feel like oh, you feel like you kind of like you, you really feel like you want to call Meatloaf up and say, yeah. hey, "Man, I'm so, so sorry, sorry. <laughs> I screwed up your song." You know. Then Meatloaf will come and make you give the money back to all the people. <laughs> right? Yes, yes, that is a thing. Meatloaf. <laughs> I've seen him do meat. that. Mm-hmm. The big meat. But um, so we have a we have a good show for you. We're gonna be we're getting in, we're gonna get into our main topic in a minute here. I also want to discuss. Um, we'll get into this a little bit later on. Um, there's a really interesting article um, from the Atlantic by Ted Agoya. Is old music killing new music? Oh, interesting. And there's he's got all kind of charts and graphs <laughs> about you know what's oh, hot no. on the. On the you know the the, the you know it's this being streamed right, um, and you old dudes, you Generation Xers, you Boomers, yeah, your music right now is hotter than the new music. Very interesting. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna talk about that um, 
in a in a in a little while as well. I want to. I think there's some interesting uh, uh, ideas uh, and, and stuff. Just some food for thought. Um, and uh, do you guys know about the artists selling off their catalogs? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I've yeah, heard yeah. You know, mi- multi millions. Yeah. they're getting. They're getting. You know, um, and and and. And you notice, like, when you go see, like, current movies, they have classic songs, mm-hmm. like, classic rock songs. Mm-hmm. And um, I watched a really cheesy movie. It was recommended by a friend. And, and, and Gary <laughs> usually has very good taste in movies. But I, I, I didn't get this movie. It's a movie with, um, uh, uh, what's his name? Big Sam mustache. Elliott. Sam Elliott. Yep. I always forget his name, too. I want to call him Sam Shepard. That's yeah. another person. That's, that's another, another person. Actor. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's a, he's a, Sam Shepard's also a playwright. But in any case, um, with Sam Elliott called now check. This is a great title. Okay. The man who killed Hitler and then Bigfoot. Wow, that covers it all. And I, it's a movie I just was like, but Gary's yeah. like, no, no, it's really good. You got to check it out. And then Sam Elliott's in. It's so like you know okay. Sam Elliott. I don't think it's that good of a movie. I think it's kind of like, <laughs> kind of like, eh. huh. but. The, the movie opens with Lonely is the Night by Billy Squire. Like oh. The oh, Billy Squire. Yeah. They play almost the entire song. Really? Uh-huh. And then later on in the movie, Use Me by Bill Withers. They play almost the entire wow. song. Um, so, uh, and then like in the Marvel movies, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Black Sabbath, ACDC, and then, you know, the Guardians of the Galaxy movies right, where they those. play all yep, those, you yep. know, Yacht Rock things. Um that people love that music. They don't think it's cheesy. You know, it's interesting because when I was younger and I would listen to my parents' music, I really was, I was like, it's okay. Like, I get it. It's right. all right. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Eh. But I wouldn't like seek it out. Right. Whereas that's not really what's going on. Like, people are seeking out this older music. Mm-hmm. They want to hear it. They're really, in, they're really, they're really, really into it. So it's interesting. Um, yeah, uh, some, some just some weird stuffs going on. Like Corn's got, you know, they've got a new album coming out, and um, you know, the, one of their songs is like, uh, let me ask you this, Lily, because you're all about metal. Is Corn metal? I want to say no. I'm going to okay. say no too. But they're on the Spotify metal charts. <clears throat> yeah, I know. And do, um, people do and but you know, the, you know, how can they, I mean, they're not a new band. No, oh, that's a no. band yeah. from the nineties. Yeah, yeah, you know, and it's it's very it's just it's just really interesting. Um, um, what you know, what people are kind of drawn to right now. It's uh, a little crazy. So anyway, so let's go ahead. You know, the nineteen eighties were a super fun time, and what people don't re- and we're going to do a podcast called eventually. We're going and I want you to think about. It. <laughs> We're going to do a podcast called 10 Bands That Rocked the 80s That Weren't Hair Metal. Oh, interesting. And there's a lot, if you think about it, there's a lot of good, really, like, in-your-face rock and roll bands that got that got all, especially on MTV, mm-hmm. that just, they, they didn't do the hair thing. You know, they right. maybe had yeah. short hair, or they were like, you know, they had like a kind of different vibe or something like that. So, you know, the 80s, in the 70s and 80s were really interesting. Um, they're way more eclectic than I think we really realize. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so tonight we're going to, so today we're going to be talking about, we're go, we're, let's go and get into this, uh, bands that were from the 80s that maybe you don't know about. So we're hoping maybe in this podcast we're going to get to introduce you to uh, some artists that you have, or maybe remind you at least 
of some really cool bands. You went, crap. I forgot <laughs> about those guys. They yeah. were really yeah. good. What the hell? So um, we're, we're going to limit ourselves to 10. When we get to 10, we're done. Okay, uh, because this is going to be a Cut part. Off. This is going to be a part one. I'm hoping to do more of this. I want to also do like the same thing with the 70s, mm-hmm. the 90s, oh, yeah. 2000 through 2010. Yeah. You know, let's 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 you know let's go because I love introducing people. Like to me, what I look look stuff like these types of shows as like. Remember when you go to your friend's house and be like, "Dude, have you heard this band?" And he went, "No." And and he plays them for you, and you go like, "Shit, they're awesome!" Yep. And that is what we kind of—that's the kind of effect I want to be able to have on uh, on folks uh, with, with with these types of shows. Um, so a Facebook user who I do not know says, "Go to Europe to find great new music. The Frontiers record label has great music, not just in the USA, though." Jeff Mazzi. Oh, okay. All right, Jeff. All right, cool. I can see who everyone is. Okay, for some Ooh. reason that's not coming. The names aren't coming across on um, your newfangled toy thing, but but I can't see the comments. It's an improvement. <laughs> so, uh, all right, guys. So we're gonna start as always with Lily. Now you guys know within that what the eighties were, right? Um, what? Nineteen eighties, nineteen eighty through nineteen eighty nine. So we're not if it, if 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 the band was more hot. In nineties, like maybe uh-huh. they maybe they, maybe they started maybe they started in these, but they were yeah. they're that then they're a nineties band. Okay. okay, so we want to stick with bands that are like primarily eighties band. Like I know REM was a more kind of an underground band in the eighties, but they really kind of exploded in the nineties. Right. Okay, so we're not you know that's just the kind of example of that. So we're laying a little a couple ground rolls here, so it doesn't turn into a fucking free for all. <laughs> uh, so Lily, what you got? Uh, first on my list is Glass Tiger. Oh. Uh, Grammy Award nominated Canadian rock band from yeah. Grammy Award r- nominated. Yes. Okay. Listen, th- that's very important because <laughs> yes, like does that, you don't remember right, right. until Tiger. you hear the song. That, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. But, but what I'm saying is like they were actually nominated for Grammy. Go ahead. Uh, formed in 1983, uh, the band has released five studio albums. Uh, in 1986, the debut album, The Thin Red Line, was quadruple platinum in Canada and gold in the U.S. Two singles from the album are Don't Forget Me When I'm Gone mm-hmm. and Someday. And uh, they reached oh, yeah. the U.S. Top 10. The band went on hiatus in 1993. And then they all had their own little projects. And they reformed in 2003 with new drummer Christopher McNeil and began touring again. Fast forward to 2009, they decided to tour Afghanistan. Um, the visit included live performances and footage. And it was shown on an episode of Entertainment Tonight Canada. Then they returned back to Afghanistan for a second performance. In 2012, they toured with Roxette in Canada, oh. which super excited. They're more like a good. 90s band, though. But yeah, Roxette, that's great. Band. When we do our show on the 90s, right? they'll, yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll be there. On my list. <laughs> um, where was I? You looked, you I'm so got, sorry. You got me I'm all really Roxette. They toured with Roxette. They, in uh, May 2019, uh, they released their fifth album, 33. Uh, following the release of 33, the band joined Corey Hart. On his Never Surrender Cross Canada tour in 2019, uh, the, huh. band, the band continued to perform a number of headlining shows throughout the summer, and performed as part of the Sopot International Song Festival in Poland. Uh, the songs we know, like I said before, "Don't Forget Me When I'm Gone," was number one in Canada. Also, backing vocals by Brian Adams. Brian Adams, so another Canadian. Their songs uh, "Someday" won a Juno Award, which is Ooh. a Canadian award. Do you know what that means? You know, speaking of the Grammys, I, I want to bring this up. I was going to bring this up later on, but does, does anybody know or care that the Grammys were postponed? You probably didn't even know. I didn't even no, know, didn't yeah, even to be honest know. with you. Yeah. Like, that is how irre- irrelevant. Irrelevant? <laughs> yeah. 
irrelevant. Irrelevant. Yeah. Or irreverent. Irreverent. Uh, that's that's you. Yeah. Um, Other songs you may not know, but are good to listen to, or I will be there, and I'm still searching. So check out. So if you haven't listened to Glass Tiger, I'm sure they're on Spotify and YouTube. Glass Tiger. Yes, they're definitely on YouTube. You just gotta listen to some Glass Tagger, okay? Glass Taggart. <laughs> I want to talk about a band that, like, caught... And I don't even remember exactly how I found out about this band. I may have read... Mr. Mr. Pittsburgh. Yes, tell us about it, Lou. Um, I may have read about their singer in... You're not gonna believe this. From, in all places, Contemporary Christian Magazine. I knew you were gonna say that. Uh, Maria McKee... Uh-huh. Um, and it was just sort of like these guys had like a little bit of a at least one is this one is bands that had like a kind of a buzz before like they right. released their first album. Uh-huh. They're one of those like kind of things. Uh Roots Rock band that took Los Angeles by storm in the eighties and developed a smaller but deeply enthusiastic following outside the Golden State. Lone Justice oh. made their name with an energetic fusion of country twang and rock and roll stomp. The group was fronted by Maria McKee, a vocalist whose ability to blend country purity with rock and roll passion earned her plenty of press attention, as well as endorsements from the likes of Linda Ronstadt and Dolly Parton. Their debut album, 1985, 1985 was a great year, graduated high school, called uh, self-titled Lone Justice, showed off the group's uh, talent and McKee's voice. And Ways to Be Wicked and Sweet Sweet Baby I'm Following were minor hits. Um... Uh, but, but, but by the time they issued the second LP, Shelter, McKee was the only original member left, and the album explored a different sound, incorporating elements of heartland rock and 80s alternative rock. Um, formed in Los Angeles by Ryan uh, uh, Hedgecock and singer uh, Maria McKee, half-sister of uh, Brian McLean, a member of the seminal psychedelic outfit uh, called Love. McKee's involvement in the L.A. club scene dated back to her infancy at the age of three. Uh, <laughs> she joined McLean as a performance that uh, famed Whiskey A Go-Go and was befriended <laughs> by Frank Zappa and members of The Doors. Wow. As a teen, she studied musical theater, briefly performed in duos with McLean and local blues singer Top Jimmy. Um, uh, McKee and Hedgecock first met while dabbling in the L.A. rockabilly rockabilly scene, and their mutual affection for country music inspired them to found the band Lone Justice in 1982 with bassist David Harrington and drummer Don Wellens. Initially, the group was strictly a cover band. But the addition of the new rhythm section in 83, veteran bassist Marvin Ezzatoni and Don Heffington, a former drummer in Emmy Lewis's Emmy Lou Harris's hot band, prompted McKee to begin composing original material inspired by Dust Bowl era balladry. Gradually, stronger elements of rock began creeping into Lone Justice sound. Soon the, began, the band became a local favorite at the urging of Lon, Linda Ronstadt, who was wild by their live shows. Uh, they were awarded a contract with Geffen. Their self-titled uh, debut appeared in 85, followed by a tour in support of U2. This was, I saw that tour. It was, the, um, it was the Unforgettable Fire tour, mm. and uh, you, uh, Lone Justice was the opening act. I was, quite frankly, just as excited to see Lone Justice as I was to see um, uh, U2. They were... Um, um, they, I, I camped out. 
<laughs> wow, wow. That's, yeah, dedication. that's dedication. Gosh, I missed <laughs> uh, Anyways, um, so anyways, so that loan, loan justice is sort of like, I mean, uh, cow punk almost kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, I remember you know them. I mean, they did that. Yeah. But um, uh, the, the album, and I'm not sure why this is not showing up in this thing, also features people like Mike Campbell. Ooh. And uh, Ben Montench. Really? The From it. Tom Petty. Yes. Yeah. And Tom Petty I and believe Ways to Be Wicked is uh, was co-written with Ben Montench and Mike Campbell. I believe. Huh. I believe. Those guys are on the album. I rem- just remember um, getting that record. And then I bought their follow-up called Shelter, which is very, very good as well. It is a different direction. Um, the, the Their, uh, their, their uh, first album is really like... In your face. The second album's a little bit more polished. A little different sound. But Interesting. Uh, yeah. Lone wow. Justice. If you haven't heard Lone Justice, go check them out. You will not be disappointed. Word. Yep. And uh, they do. They did release uh, a, an album called This World Is Not My Home. Hmm. So, yeah. Yes. Uh, Maria had a... Um, religious kind of background. Mm-hmm. A yeah. Christian kind of background. So, she sort of... There's... Actually, some like gospely, uh, uh, um, um, soap soup and salvation is a song on the album. Okay, and um, just you know, they, there's like you know, in a kind of um, the way Tom Waits will do right. a gospel song. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. They have that sort of like edgy kind of thing mm-hmm. to it, without it being like Christian rock, right? Or you know, that sort of thing. She's super pretty too. Yeah. Yeah, she was she was a real cutie. Great voice, great 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 voice. I when I first heard her, I was like, "This is Dolly Parton meets Stevie Nicks." Like that was kind of mm-hmm. like how I mm-hmm. thought of it. I could be wrong. You could be, course. but, but that's your uh, opinion. So you're <laughs> that might be your opinion, but it's clearly wrong. So all right, so my first pick there is Lone Justice, uh, Mr. Pittsburgh. Anything you uh, want to? Jo- you guys, no, okay. you so guys, we're you go guys are the experts. <laughs> yeah, you are. Uh, my next one is going to be Danger Danger. American glam metal band formed in 87 in Queens, New York uh, by former Hot Shot members, lead vocalist Mike Pont, Bruno Ravel, and drummer Steve West. Um, also featured the guitarist Al Petrelli and former keyboard, key, keyboardist, keyboardist of jazz rock fusion group Get With It, Casey Smith. Um, Mike Pont later left the band and was replaced by Ted Poley, who that's, that's the era I know. Mm-hmm. Um, he previously played in the band Prophet as a drummer and sometimes lead vocalist. They were sort of a mix of glam with some lighter keyboard for a radio-friendly sound, which was kind of smart in a way, so mm-hmm. they could play all the songs. Um, somewhere during the, uh, that time, they made a failed attempt at recording a demo. They did release their self-titled debut in 1989, and, uh, and with the help of MTV and Headbangers Ball, had success with the single Naughty Naughty. Everybody should know that song. Mm-hmm. Not mm-hmm. to be confused with, with the... Naughty Naughty by John Parr. Right. right. Yes, correct. And the other hit was Bang Bang. <laughs> Oh, bang, bang, naughty, naughty. <laughs> the band went on tour opening for Kiss, Alice Cooper, Extreme, and Warren. Yes. After that, the band went to record their follow-up uh, in Fort Lauderdale, releasing Screw It in 1991. <laughs> Screw The album spawned two other hits, Monkey Business and I'm, I Still Think About You. Uh, they went uh, Again, they went on a tour with Kiss, so Kiss apparently liked this band. Probably because they couldn't show them up. Um, some lineup and record label change-ups happened in the several years after that. The classic lineup, Ted Pulley, Bruno Ravel, C. West, Andy Timmons, and Casey Smith reunited in 2014 for a series The of- Andy Timmons? That I don't know. Okay. Mm. <laughs> I'll have to check it out. 
even though the second album came out during a time of decline in the 80s metal genre, they still do have a devoted fan base. They still will get super huge crowds at their shows. People Ooh. love them just for who they are. Um, their best songs, like I said, are Naughty Naughty, Bang Bang, but other ones to listen to. Don't Walk Away, Saturday Night, Rock America, and Under the Gun. Check those ones out as well. These All are right. ones that I love, and I think that everybody will love them too. There you go. Okay, very good. Good pick, Lily Von Six. <laughs> Von Six. Lily Von Six. Yeah, Lily Von right. Stop. I knew you oh my God. say that. <laughs> I've gotten Lily Von Housen, too. <laughs> Doesn't matter. <laughs> um, Is anybody here? And you know what? What? I can't believe when our show last week, we did not mention this. Oh, what? We did not talk about the movie Roadhouse. Oh, the Jeff Healy band, yeah, yeah right, is in Roadhouse, yes, and they freaking rock. <laughs> well, we, kicks. Were, we were just too they kick ass, man. That is a great show. What made Jeff Healy different from other blues rockers was also what kept some listeners from accepting him as anything other than a novelty. The fact that the blind guitarist played his Fender Stratocaster on his lap and not standing up, eh, yeah, that's some crazy. people were like, "Yeah, guy, what is what's that guy doing?" And he's blind. <laughs> I mean, what a blind guy's... You know, he, he don't even... Thing. He can't see how to play the guitar right. <laughs> I've had a guy woo me with his songs. So uh, oh, with the guitar go, on his lap. Uh, Healy could make unique bends and hammer-ons, making his licks different and more elastic than most of his competition. Uh, unfortunately, his material leaned towards standard AOR blues rock, which rarely let him cut loose. But when he did, his instrumental prowess could be shocking. Mm. Healy lost his sight at the age of one after developing eye cancer. Oh, terrible. Yeah. He began playing guitar uh, when he was three years old. Eat your heart out, Joe Bonamassa. <laughs> and began performing with his band, uh, Blues Direction, at the age of 17. Healy formed the Jeff Healy Band in 1985, featuring bassist Joe Rockman. Yeah, there you name. go. That's I a mean, name. If your name is Joe Rockman, then you, you have, have to, to yeah. be. In, you have to get in rock and roll. And uh, and drummer uh, Tom Steven. Um, what made the band different from other blues rockers was also uh, we already said that part. Um, uh, Healy, oh, we're talking. What, what, this is like double stuff on double stuff. This is like Oreo <laughs> double like stuff. Mm, now I'm hungry. Uh, oh my god! Okay, so anyway, so uh, the trio released uh, once a uh, single on its own uh, Forte record label, uh, which led to a contract with Arista. Remember when record? La- we're gonna talk about this a little yeah. bit later. Arista, when record labels were like it, you know what I mean? And certain record labels, you know, put out this kind of music, and other mm-hmm. record labels put out that kind of music, etc. Somebody likes Lone Justice. Somebody on Facebook, cool. Nice. Um, Who was it, Lily? Uh, Bill Thomas. Oh, Bill. hi, Billy. Cool. 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 Um, the true. Uh, so, anyways, uh, the Jeff Healy Band released their debut uh, album "See the Light" in 1988, <laughs> and the guitarists immediately developed a devoted following of blues rocks in blues rock circles. Featuring the hit single "Angel Eyes," the record mm-hmm. went platinum in in the U.S. While Jeff Healy Band's subsequent records were popular, none were successful as his debut. Uh, as the 21st century dawned, Healy began to change his direction. He taught himself to play trumpet and began to lean toward a kind of traditional 1920s and 30s jazz that had always fascinated him. Mm. He released two classic jazz albums, uh, O2's Among Friends and O4's Adventures in Jazzland on his own Healy Ophonic label. And a third traditional jazz outing, uh, It's Tight Like That, which appeared... <laughs> 
<laughs> on Stony Plain. Listen to Lily. Like nice, Lil. Good job. Nice. I've been hanging out with you guys. With Apparently, um, he uh, did. <clears throat> he continued to do shows with his uh, earlier in his earlier blues blues rock style. He increasingly gigged with his jazz combo. Uh, they were called the Jazz Wizards. In 08, a month before the release of his last studio blues album, Mesa Blues, Healy died from cancer. Mm. Songs from the Road, a collection of live blues rock performances from 06 and 07, was released by Ruff, which is a uh, Ruff Records. A lot of folks, Anna Popovic, a lot of people got started on there Ruff you go. yeah. as a uh, great, great blues, very friendly towards like guitar, you know, uh, type music. Um, the final uh, studio jazz album, Last Call, was issued by Stony Plain in April of 2010. Other archival releases continue to find their way out of the vaults, including Heal My Soul, a record of unheard studio recordings released on what would have been Healy's 50th birthday, March 25th, 2016. Wow. So, um... Unfortunately, uh, Jeff is no longer with us. Um, as we were mentioning a minute ago, yes, check out the movie Roadhouse. Yeah. Because that's He's in the it. band. Yeah. That's the band yeah. in the bar where Swayze and Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott also. Yeah. Sam Elliott's in that. Yep. He's in that. <laughs> Sam the Sham and the Pharaoh Man. I, uh, I have a question. A question. I have a question uh, about Jeff. You say he, uh, he, he learned how to play the trumpet. Oh, boy. Here we go. Did uh, did he play that in his lap also? Wow. What, too oh. soon? Is that too soon, everybody? You know, Pittsburgh, what? you know what? What? <laughs> there he is. <laughs> I saw it coming. Ah. Wow. Just, uh, wow. Did he play that in his lap also? Oh. No. oh. Fred, Fred, turn off his microphone, please. Thank you. Okay, Guys. so. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lily V6. The next one on my list is Femme Fatale. Ooh, that sounds hot. Hey, no. American hard rock band originally formed in Albuquerque, but the band moved to LA. Should have made that left hand in Albuquerque. I was waiting. Uh, they, the band moved to Los Angeles and re- released one studio what? album before disbanding. Uh, their self titled debut in 88 immediately became a success on MTV with their video Waiting for the Big One. <laughs> okay. And the other song was Falling In and Out of Love. <laughs> Not the Lita Ford song, Falling In and Out of Love. Their own song. In and out of love. It propelled them into the top 200 charts in the U.S. Femme Fatale was unable to match the popularity of other bands in the glam metal scene. Um, they saw their they saw their status at MCA shrink, and the band's manager, Andrea Accardo, developed a rare brain cancer. Mm. Shortly after tur- touring the world in support of Cheap Trick, uh, recording uh, was to commence on a new album, but ultimately it was not completed and the band dissolved in 1990. But in 2013, Lorraine Lewis, who was the lead singer of the band, reformed the band with a new lineup consisting of Courtney Cox, who is now in Iron Maiden. What? 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 what, 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 what? Not that Courtney Cox. Oh. Courtney Cox is a guitarist. She just get up on stage and start Iron dancing. Maidens. That was the whole thing. I thought, like, because she got on stage with no. Bruce. Right, like, yeah, so you know. that's, that was her no, gig. This is the blonde Courtney Cox. Oh. And Nita Strauss on guitar. So. Oh, there you go. Um,. Uh, Janice Tanaka on bass, Cat uh, Scarlett on keyboards, and both Rachel Ren and uh, Athena on drums. Hmm. In January 2019, Lorraine was named as the new vocalist for another all-female band, Vixen. Ooh. So Femme Fatale's contemporaries, uh, th- they were Femme Fatale's contemporaries during the glam metal heyday. She succeeded Janet Gardner, who stepped down to give more p- uh, priority to her budding solo career. 
Um, Lewis had earlier stood in for Gardner in Oklahoma during the March 28 performance, and after Femme Fatale played their show in 2019, Monsters of Rock Cruise in late February, the band quietly disbanded for good, and they never recorded any song in the studio as an all-female group. But their songs falling in at a love way for the big one, Touch and Go, <laughs> um, and Rebel uh, are their, by far their best songs. Give them. I know they only have one album, but these songs are all solid for female-type songs. Very Vixen-like. They, they predate yeah. Vixen. But uh, the one song, Touch and Go, is featured in the film License to Drive. So. Um, cool. Good job. Good job. How many have you done so far, Lily? I think three. That was three. And I think I did I did Lone you Justice, did two. the Jeff Healy band. Right. So and Lily was talking about these ladies and their interrelationship with the band mm-hmm. Vixen. Mm-hmm. Right. Ironically, Vixen is on my list Yay. as well. Shut up. Really? Before I do that real quick, I just want to say speaking of Courtney Cox, I want to say that Robin Zander had a birthday this week. Uh, he's, he was uh, on the, a couple days ago. He's 68 years old. Robin Zander from Cheap Trick. And happy, he still rocks. Happy birthday. <laughs> yes. Mr. Zander. Favorite uh, Yes, Vixen. Uh, I've been living on the edge of a broken heart. Uh-huh. Who can't relate to that? Right. An all-female American rock band that specializes in melodic hard rock glam and pop metal. It's interesting. Can a female rock band be glam? Whoa! Oh no! Wait! No! Wait a minute! Whoa, like they're already dude. like because like the glam bands are like dressing like women. Correct. What if the How women dress female... like men? Yeah. Like it whoa! Like, yeah, so it like, just all intermixes. It's one of they those things. They got three suits just, on. Just, look, I'm just saying. I'm not. Whoa. I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying. They can yeah. switch clothes. I'm just saying. <laughs> you, what are you, you saying? Vixen found commercial success in the late '80s and oh well, okay, early '90s. Okay. But Sorry, mostly '80s. Uh, Age of Broken Heart, Crying, How Much Love, all which enjoyed heavy rotation on MTV. The group's popularity waned in the wake of the grunge and alternative rock mm. boom, resulting in frequent hiatuses and lineup changes. But Vixen continued to make new music and perform well into the next century, despite enduring numerous hardships. Most notably, in 2013, the death of founder, guitarist Jan, say that, Lily? Kunamund. Kunamund. Uh, the remaining classic lineup members, Janet... Roxy and uh, Sher- uh, Sherry uh, elected to carry on uh, in Kuhneman's honor and continue to tour, culminating the release of the concert LP uh, Live Fire in 2018. But now Janet Gardner is replaced by Lorraine Lewis. See, it's all it's all so who crazy. Met. Who I've met. They're crazy. Uh, all American. They Mixing, specialize matching. in melodic hard rock, as we <laughs> said. Um, in 97... Uh, convened around Gardner, Petrucci, and guitarist Gina Style issued the group's third uh, studio uh, long play, Tangerine, via CMC International Record Label. Mm-hmm. Come, come back uh, proved to be short-lived, but no, in 02, uh, Kuhneman put together another iteration of the group. So this was one of those bands where like there were like Mix multiple vixens Mix like, them, yeah. Yeah. like touring around. It's like a female Doobie Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> it's still 50% of the band, though. It's still All two right. out of the four yeah. girls. Hey, Roxy, right? Yeah, Roxy. Uh, Ro- Roxy yeah, okay. I love her. Yeah, she's great. So so Vixen is was on my list. It's one of those bands like if you haven't listened, go back and check them out. You know, a little bit of a twist on that glam thing. Just a little right. bit of a twist because they are ladies. Yes, true. Mm. So, um, right, right, exactly. Um, okay, so, uh, you want to do another one? I can do one So, more. we've done four. Yeah. I've done four. You're going to do, is this going to be number four for you? I have no idea. Okay. Sure. Try to keep it around ten if we can. 
giant uh, American melodic rock. Giants? The they're Chiefs. really they're really big. What? Formed in 87. <laughs> mm. Band originally consisted of founding members Dan Huff and Alan Pas- Pasqua and Don Hans. Wow, I can't I can't speak. And had Dan's brother David Huff on drums. Uh, the Huff brothers were part of the founding members of the Christian wa- rock band White Heart. Oh, remember the, them? Yep. Yeah. The band scored one hit. Unfortunately, it was a 1990 hit, but I'll See You in My Dreams, written by Alan Pasqua and Mike Spiro, or Mark Spiro. Giant disbanded in the early 90s after recording two albums, but resurfaced in 2000, minus Alan Pasqua and released the album um, three in late 2001. Um, basically, they've come back and left and come back and left, but Giant released their first studio album in 12 years, entitled, entitled Shifting Time, on January 21st, 2022. So literally a couple days Whoa, ago, all right they then. just released their new album. Great. Um, I'll See You in My Dreams, I'm a Believer, No Way Out, Shake Me Up are the best songs, I think, from the band, but you'll have to check them out for yourself. You know what they should do? What? Smart ass. If they go out on tour. No, I don't even want to hear it. <laughs> You're done. Their opening band should be Little Kiss. I hate you. It's Midget Kiss anyway. <laughs> well, I'm trying mini to be. Kiss. I'm trying. Mini Kiss. Mini Kiss. Yeah. I want to rock and roll all night. Right, Lou? Right, Lou? I agree. I agree. Lou? I agree. Lou? Who turned off my mic? <laughs> Bones. <laughs> Bones did. I job. am uh, trying. Hit the sensor button. <laughs> I, I can't find it right now, but I know that Dan Huff produced an album for Megadeth. Well, wow. I cannot remember which one. Oh, hold but on. But here's a list of people that Dan has worked with: Shania Twain, Reba McIntyre, uh, Peter Cetera, Ooh. Uh, Rascal Flatts, Keith Urban. Bon Jovi. Wow. DC Talk. Glenn uh-huh. Campbell. Jeepers. J- uh, Janie Fricky. Uh, Kenny Rogers. Kid Rock. Keith Urb. I said Keith Urban already. Michael McDonald. Speaking of the doobie boobies. The Judds. The Judds. The Judds. <laughs> Martina McBride. He's a Nashville guy, so this would make yeah, sense. George Benson. So there's a wide oh, variety. Wow. Yeah, he's all over there. Um, you know, uh, Le- uh, Leanne Rhymes, Kid Rock again. Cryptic Writings. Okay. Megadeth. I, I, I knew he did a, a Megadeth album. Oh. Uh, yeah, because uh, uh, Metallica worked with uh, Bob Rock and Megadeth did a record with Dan Huff. Huh. Um, Bill Withers, Lionel Richie, Trace Atkins. Oh, <laughs> all these people. Jewel. Oh, yeah, his list is quite extensive. Jewel, wow. <laughs> it's like, you know, he's a real like musician's musician. Just one of DeBarge. these, like, yeah. Oh, man. Celine Dion, Grover Washington Jr. Creepers. Rodney Crow, Michael Bolt-On. Amy <laughs> Scritty Politti. Scritty Politti? Miles Davis. Etta James. <laughs> really? Amy Grant. Wow. Oh, see? Um, Lone Star. The Magic of Lone Star. <laughs> I see your Schwartz is as big as mine. <laughs> Sorry. And there it is. Oh, yeah. I'm going I'm to do one more. Um, this th- this was a band that, like, I, um, a guy, a, a guy, there was, was a guy that I met when I was in, um, I was in early high school. And this, this guy was a little bit older than me. He was a, a senior at Peter's and um, was on his way to college. And he gave me two 
albums uh-huh. on vinyl and said, just just keep them. He said, when I come back from college break, he's not going to back off you. Yeah. And the they were it was the first album was called The Stand, and the next album was called Declaration. And they were by a band called The Alarm. Oh yeah. Uh, I with idealistic spirit, a powerhouse live show, and bigger. Than Big Hair, <laughs> the Alarm were part of an early '80s wave of bands like The Call, Big Country, The Waterbeat, and The Waterboys, who dealt with soaring anthems inspired by the righteous idealism of punk. Clearly influenced by uh, the impressioned political fervor of the Clash, the Alarm also worked uh, in a mostly acoustic folk punk vein that provided counterpoint to their hard driving guitar rockers their uh, stage look was unquestionably a product of the 80s with enormous spiked up hair accompanied by cowboy old time cavalry wardrobe check out the the back cover of declaration you'll know exactly what I'm talking about yet the numerous comparisons to U2 in the press were not unfounded despite a more conservative sonic palette the alarm had much the same earnest intensity, the same messianic ambitions, and even the same vague spirituality. Likewise, the alarm uh, seemed to covet. I can't seem this stupid all music. I don't know what they're doing here. Uh, <laughs> but uh, they were they're from Wales, formed in eighty one by uh, Mike Peters, who started out in a local uh, punk band called the Toilets. That sounds like a punk band. Wow. Along with Nigel Twist on drums, that's a cool name. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the band, uh, <clears throat> the band broke up. Peters uh, was playing bass, formed a new outfit called Seventeen after the Sex Pistols song. With guitarist Eddie McDonald and Dave Sharp, both local uh, scenesters, longtime friends. Seventeen was initially influenced by the Pistols and the Clash, uh, the mod re- uh, revival punk of the Jam, punk pop of. Uh, uh, Rich kids, etc. Uh, songwriting interests grew more socially conscious in '81, and the group reinvented itself as the Alarm, taking the name from a 17 song called "Alarm, Alarm." Later that year, they moved to London and released their self-titled debut, uh, penned political rocker called "Unsafe Building." Um, so their albums include um, "Strength," like I said, "Declaration." Their first uh, album is an EP. Based on the Stephen King novel, The Stand. Fun. Wow. And yeah, yeah. So uh, it's 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 really interesting. But what they did were was they played acoustic guitars, but they put electric pickup pickups in them and played mm-hmm. through Marshall stacks. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Um, Perfect. Eddie Sharp, uh, not Eddie Sharp. Um, uh, I'm sorry. Dave Sharp, Eddie McDonald, Dave Sharp. Dave Sharp was. Uh, has like one of the coolest quotes. It was they did get a he got a into Guitar Player magazine. He's not any kind of shredder or anything, just kind of a tasteful rock mm-hmm. guitar player. But he was talking about his Marshall, a hundred watt Marshall stack, and he said he told the guy he said it has two settings, uh-huh. off and brain damage. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I bought be. a Marshall. I bought a fifty watt Marshall. Um, non-master volume, just like he had, but he had 100 watt, and it even at 50 watts, it was off and brain damage. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that was that was the two sounds. Wow. That was it. Um, but anyway, so I love the alarm. Um, they broke up and got back together. They broke up. They got back together. They broke up. They got back together. Peters went on and and did like like a kind of like, you know, his own version of the alarm. Worked with uh, Billy Duffy from the Cult. You know, it's a different stuff like that. You know what happens? They they get. 
They, they, they had arguments, you know. Mm-hmm. I saw these guys live as well. Mm. Mm. Never guessed who they opened for. You too? Nope. Cheap trick. Oh. Nope. Emmy Lou Harris. Nope. Captain yeah. Geach and the Shrimp Shack Shooters. Oh, yeah. Pat Benatar. Oh, nice. And I went. I, okay. And I bought the tickets because I wanted to see the alarm. Yep. Pat Benatar was awesome, by the way. Yes. They did a great show. <laughs> but. I was like, I, oh my God, the alarm is coming to Pittsburgh. I'm never going to ever see them because they're like a kind of like weird right, indie right, kind right. of like group. But she she had them on the tour with them, and yeah, that's cool. I, it was very cool. I was was like like I was like, whoa, Pat, like you got like you know kind of cool, kind of went up in my thing. Yeah. But the you know the critics compared them a lot to you too. In fact, people called them U three. <laughs> oh, for a while, but I, 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 they're they not. Re- it's just because of the Mike Peters has that. Um, you know, that same kind of earnest mm-hmm. kind of thing that Bono right, right, does, right. you know, hard on his sleeve kind yep, of like yep. thing, you know, and he has a kind of soaring kind of vocal. Uh, but the alarm, the alarm. There you go. The alarm. The alarm. The alarm. Do we have any comments? Anybody's asking <clears throat> any questions we need to address? No. You've seen all the things. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I see how people are. Um, we are going to take a short break. Do you have to pee? I'm Get gonna, to go pee? I was going to take a little break. Okay. And play a song, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to do, like, uh, I want to talk about an uh, interesting uh, thing, and I want to get you guys' perspective on it. Sure. An uh, article came out in The Atlantic uh, this uh, month about, you know, old music yeah. kind of yeah. killing new music oh with, with regards to the, um, you know, getting streams and downloads. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be right back. Uh, this is the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. You guys say, go get a drink, and have a, sh- have a smoke and a pancake. So, all right, guys, we'll be right back. All night from every word 
everybody. Welcome back hey, to the Rock and Roll Circus. Peace in the Valley. Uh, my uh, latest song featuring Keith the Hawk Hawkins himself on drums. Yeah. Katie Simone singing with me on that. Me yeah. pretty much doing everything else. And Mike Ofka, who mixed the thing for me and made it sound freaking amazing. So check it out. Uh, go to lulombardimusic.com to get more stuff like that. <clears throat> okay, so um, I hope you guys enjoyed our little, you know, foray there into the 80s with uh, music that maybe, bands maybe, that you would, if maybe you didn't know about, had forgotten about, etc. So, glad you guys enjoyed it. Um, let us know about some bands, and because we're going to do, do part two, part three, part four, yeah. blah, blah, blah. So, you know, if you, uh, I posted, I ran a post this week <clears throat> about it, so throw some bands in there, and um, somebody mentioned um, Yes. Yes. Is there a band called Helix? No. Yeah. Oh yeah. I Helix. actually have uh-huh. it on my list. Okay. But I was also I would say like Talus. Oh yeah, for sure. A, I've seen them. That, mm-hmm. That's a good band with that with that uh, same sort of um thing going on. Oh, Helix is great. Yeah. I freaking love Helix. Yeah, great great band. Um, uh Chris Thunderwolf real quick. I was talking about the movie um That Thing You Do. They're playing the band Captain Geach and the Shrimp Shack Shooters at, in a movie in that movie. So, that's what I was talking about. Oh. To answer your question. <laughs> Gotcha. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so, interesting thing came out this week. Uh, the Atlantic is old music killing new music. Old songs now represent 70% of the U.S. music oh. market, according to the latest numbers from MRC Data, a music analytics firm. Those who make the, uh, a living from new music, especially the endangered species known as the working musician, mm-hmm. should look at these figures with fear and trembling. I don't necessarily agree with that. Uh, the new music market is, is actually shrinking. All the growth in the market is from old songs. The 200 most popular new tracks now regularly count for less than 5% of total streams. Wow. Well, that's the people like me and Lily and Kevin yeah. hanging out after the podcast. Hey, play <laughs> Billy Idol's greatest uh, hits. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so the rate uh, was twice as high just three years ago. The mix of songs actually purchased by consumers is even more tilted towards older music. The current list of most downloaded tracks on iTunes is filled with names of bands from pre- the previous centuries, such as Clear- Creedence, Clearwater, Revival, mm-hmm. and The Police. Agoya says, I encountered this phenomenon myself recently at a retail store where the youngster at the cash register was singing along with Sting on Message in a Bottle. I hit from 79 as it blasted from the radio. A few days earlier, I had a similar experience at a local diner where the entire staff was under 30, but every song was more than 40 years old. I asked my server, why are you playing this old music? She looked at me in surprise before answering, oh, I like these songs. Never before in history have new tracks attained hit status while generating so little cultural impact. In fact, the audience seems to be embracing the hits of decades past. Success has always, uh, you know, uh, it was always short-lived in the music business, but now even new songs that become bonafide hits can pass unnoticed by much, much of the population. Only, only, Only songs released in the past 18 months get classified as new. So people could conceivably be listening to a lot of two-year-old songs rather than 60-year-old ones. But I doubt these old playlists consist of songs from the uh, year before last. Even if they did, 
The fact would still represent a repudiation of the pop culture industry, which is almost entirely focused on what's happening right now. Every week I hear from hundreds of publicist record labels, band managers, and other professionals who want to hype the newest thing. Their livelihoods depend on it. The entire business model of new of the new music industry built on is built on promoting new songs. As a music writer, I am expected to do the same. As the radio stations, retailers, DJs, nightclub owners, editors, playlist curators, and everyone else with skin in the game. Yet all the evidence indicates that few listeners are paying any attention. Consider the reaction of the Grammy Awards were the re- reaction to the Grammy Awards being put mm-hmm. on. Lily and Kevin didn't, I didn't even, even know, know nope. yeah. <clears throat> that that had happened. <laughs> Perhaps I should say the lack of reaction because the cultural response was a little more than a yawn. Uh, I follow thousands of music professionals on social media and didn't encounter a single expression of annoyance or regret <laughs> about this. Yep. I, <laughs> I got to tell you, man, like, and we t- it's like the, have we even talked about the Rock Hall yet? No, well, a while ago. Yeah, but we haven't (laughs) talked about it for this year. No. No. Why would we? Exactly. (laughs) The declining TV audience for Grammy show underscores this shift. In 01, viewership uh, for the ceremony uh, collapsed 53% from the previous year. Wow. Least watched Grammy broadcast of all time. Even the core audience for new music couldn't be bothered. 90% of the people 18 to 49 had something better to do than to watch the Grammys. (laughs) A decade ago, 40 million people watched the Grammy Awards. It's a meaningful audience. But now devoted fans of this event are starting to resemble a tiny subculture. More people pay attention to streams of video games on Twitch. Mm -hmm. The latest reality TV show. In fact, musicians would probably do better getting placement in Fortnite than signing a record label, yeah. signing a record deal in 2022. That's pretty legit. <clears throat> uh, some would like to believe that this trend is just a short-term blip, perhaps caused by the pandemic. Nope. Nope. When clubs open up again, the DJ starts spinning new records of parties, the world will return to normal, or so we're told. The hottest songs, again, will be the newest songs, but I'm not so op- optimistic. A series of unfortunate events are conspiring to marginalize new music. The pandemic is just one of these ugly facts, but hardly the only contributor to the growing crisis. Okay, so you want to consider these trends. The uh, leading uh, area of investment in music business is old songs. Investment firms are getting into bidding wars for buying publishing catalogs from aging rock and pop stars. The song catalogs uh, in most demand are by musicians who are in their 70s or 80s, like Bob Dylan, Paul Simon, Bruce Springsteen, or already dead like David Bowie and James Brown. Mm -hmm. Even major record labels are participating in the rush to old music. Universal, Sony, Warner, and others are buying up publishing catalogs and investing huge sums in old tunes. In a previous time, that money would have been used to launch new artists. So they're taking their resources right. and they're banking on old music wow. and not like not putting anything into new shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best-selling physical format in music, vinyl LP, which is more than 70 years old. So people buying 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 an album. Yeah, <clears throat> I've seen no signs that record labels are investing in newer, better alternative, because here too old is viewed as superior to new. In fact, record labels, uh, once a source of innovation, 
in consumer products don't spend any money on research and development to revitalize their business. Although every other industry looks to innovation for growth and consumer excitement. Record stores are caught up in the same warp. In early era, they aggressively marketed new music, but now they make more money from vinyl reissues of used LP and used LPs. Radio stations are contributing to this stagnation, putting fewer new songs into their rotation. When a new song overcomes these obstacles and actually becomes a hit, the risk of copyright lawsuits is greater than, be- than ever before. The risks have increased enormously since, since the Blurred Lines jury decision in 2015, and the result is additional cash. Uh, the, excuse me. The result is that additional cash gets transferred from today's musicians to old or deceased artists. Adding to the nightmare, dead musicians are now coming back to life in virtual <laughs> form. Hologram, yeah. Holograms, deep fake, making it all harder for young living artists to compete in the marketplace. As record labels lose interest in, music, in, in new music, emerging performers desperately search for other ways to get exposure. They hope to place self-produced tracks on, cura- on curated streaming playlists or license their songs for use in advertising or closing credits of a TV show. Those options might generate some royalty income, but they do little to build name recognition. You might hear a cool song on a TV commercial, but do you even know the name of the artist? Nope. You love your workout playlist at your health club, but how many song titles and band names do you remember? Your, you stream a Spotify new music uh, playlist in the background while you work, but did you bother to learn who's singing the song? I do. <clears throat> it's something that really interests me, but not, a lot of people do not. I do, but it's part of my job. <laughs> um, decades ago, the composer uh, Eric Satie warned of the arrival of furniture music, a kind of song that would blend seamlessly into the background of our lives. His vision seems closer to reality than ever. Some people, especially baby boomers, tell me this decline in popular new music is simply the result of lousy new songs. Music used to be better, or so they say. The old songs had better melodies, more interesting harmonies, blah, blah, blah. Auto-tune, regurgitated samples, but everybody's kind of sick of that shit. Uh, There will never be another uh, Joni Mitchell or Bob Dylan, Cole Porter or Brian Wilson. I almost expect these doomsayers to break out in a stirring rendition of old-time rock and roll. (laughs) I can understand the frustration of music lovers who get satisfaction uh, from current mainstream songs, though they try, they try. They, so they're trying to find, they're trying to listen to new music, but they can't really find what they want. I disagree with the Boomer's Friends' large verdict. I listen to two or three hours of music, new music every day. I know that plenty of exceptional young musicians are out there trying to make it. They exist. The music industry has lost its ability to discover, to discover and nurture their talents. Um, their music industry bigwigs have plenty of excuses for the inability to discover and adequately promote new great artists. The fear of copyright lawsuits has many in the industry uh, deathly afraid of listening to unsolicited demo recordings. If you hear a demo today, you might get sued for stealing its melody or maybe just rhythmic groove five years from now. Try mailing a demo to a label or producer and watch it return unopened. The people whose livelihood depends on discovering new musical talent face legal risks if they take their job seriously. That's only one of the um, deleterious results of the music industry's over-reliance on lawyers and litigation, a hard-ass approach they once hoped would cure all the problems, but now does more harm than good. See, this is the thing that, like, we've talked about this before. 
I can't play fucking music on this show. <laughs> right? I'm allowed. This is one of the reasons you fuckers aren't Ooh. hearing new music. It's right. bullshit. Yeah. Remember back in the day? Everybody's a crybaby. Everybody's yeah. got a fucking attorney. This fucking horse shit. I mean, yeah. this, you know, we, me and uh, Kevin and Lily and all my buddies out there who have podcasted, we are the tastemakers. We are the guys who are supposed to say, hey, check, check this band this out. out. Yeah. Here's the story behind this band. They're so awesome. You know, they, they whatever, fill in the blank. And this is why you should check them out. Check out how awesome this song is. And we would bring our enthusiasm to it. Okay. The only place you hear shit like that, there's like okay, a Rock Rage Radio is cool, and there's a couple of things like that. But Sirius and those places can only play so much fucking music. Mm-hmm. Local stations won't do it. No, they, right. do. they will They're not, not do right. it. Okay. Yep, which you can only get like on Carson Street. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're there, yeah. Uh, hell- yeah. <clears throat> <clears throat> um. So you know the the moguls the the industry have they've lost their faith in this and that and that this whole legal thing has you know has has caused all kind of problems everybody's because the see what they did was here is the problem okay yeah, yeah. the industry did not embrace the new technology instead they fought it mm-hmm. and they're still fighting it yep. with lawsuits and all this crap and they're going to Congress we need stricter blah 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 this is not how you do it no. I mean, like it, it's it's just it's really frustrating, and this is and there are great bands, there are fucking awesome bands out there, and there's great music out there. It's fucking horseshit. I um, in an effort to not become that old guy mm-hmm. who only listens to his Sabbath and his Zeppelin and his eighties <laughs> and whatever, I I turned I turned on Octane about a month ago, and I'm sticking with it because I want to know who the new bands are. I want to know what's going on. And, Guys, they play like maybe five bands over and over Legit. and over mm. and over. There's good and bad to that. <clears throat> One of the reasons the music that we grew up and we loved so much is because the radio stations played the shit out of it until mm-hmm. you liked it. Right, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they forced like, you. <clears throat> but in those days, those were the people that picked that music radio. They were in, really interested in music. Mm-hmm. Now today it's all an algorithm right. and you know there's all kind of graphs and charts on like what music is going to that will people will listen longest to so they can sell more advertising and this is why it's dying. Yep. Even music genres famous for shaking up the world rock or jazz or hip hop face the same deadening industry mindset. I love jazz, but many of the radio stations focus on that genre, play songs that sound almost the same as what they featured 10 or 20 years ago. In many instances, they are, they actually are the same songs. State of Affairs is not inevitable. inevitable. A lot of musicians around the world, especially in L.A. and London, are conducting a bold dialogue between jazz and other contemporary styles. They're even bringing back jazz in the, in, as, as dance music. But the songs they release sound dangerously different from older jazz and are thus excluded from radio stations for the same fucking reason. So, you're not going to get any new music. If you're afraid to fucking play it, this is why people like, you know, things like the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus and, you know, Hot Licks with Lily Six and all, you know, these, there's, they need to be able to really promote this music. That is what is missing. The industry needs to embrace this and not run from it. This is the problem. 
Um, so anyways, this is a, this is a great article. Uh, it's, uh, it's in, in the Atlantic. Just do a Google search on is old music killing new music. It's really fast. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I've read a lot of it <clears throat> for you guys. And I think you, you, you get you get the thing. So what do you guys think? So Lily, Ke- uh, Kevin, what, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I think like when you and I were growing up, and even you, Lily, <clears throat> the only two places you heard new music was the radio or if you went out and saw the band. MTV. Well, and, yeah. M- and MTV. Yeah. All right, so there's three. Nowadays, there are so many different venues. You've got YouTube, Spotify, all of them. Well, how do you know what to listen to? Exactly. Exactly. And granted, like when we were growing up, we were kind of, like you said, kind of force fed the same stuff over and over until we fell in love with it. But now there's so much stuff. And if you're listening to something on Spotify and I'm watching something on YouTube, the two may never meet. So we may, you know, so I think uh, the newer music is just lost in the shuffle. You know, where, you know, people our age create the demand for the stuff from the 70s, 80s, 90s. And that's probably why the numbers are so high, you know. And then we listen to it. And those of us who have kids, they start listening to it. And they're like, yeah, this is pretty good. You know, dad's been playing this you know, for years. And, uh, yeah, it's just the music world is so big right now. That's, that's one thought. The other thought is money. Money, 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 which has ruined rock and roll for years. Well, you know, it makes me wonder, like, could a band like Van Halen, I mean, could that even happen? Now? Probably not. Like, in this climate, like, so, you know, and it, what sucks is that, that there is the next Van Halen. They're out there. Oh, yeah. The next Led Zeppelin, mm-hmm. the next U2, yeah. next Police, the next Motley Crue. They're all out there. They're, they're, they're out there, but they're not getting shaken. Lily, what are your thoughts on it? Um, to jump off what Kevin was saying, I think there are just too many options. Kids get bored really quick these days. Mm-hmm. They get super bored. There's too many things to do. They're not going to listen to it now. Also, from what you said earlier, old music is showing up in brand new movies. For example, the movie Cruella. It's a Disney movie. It's all 70s music. There's Rolling Stones in it. All kinds of uh, uh, music, like that type of music. So that's what the kids are listening to. Again, their parents listen to that stuff. And I go to 90s nights where the kids are like 20 years younger than me. And they are dancing to music that they have no idea what the music is. So they're just bored. I think they just get super bored with new stuff. And they're just used to hearing all the old stuff because it's all just resurfacing. In different forms. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, I think those are all really good. Um, I think those are all. You know, here here's the thing: the solution, etc. Usually, is, is never one thing, right? right? Mm-hmm. It's always like you know a little bit of. And I think one of the things is the the one of the biggest things the the industry the and I remember when it happened when Metallica sued. Napster. Napster. Yep. And this was like the start of like everybody crapping their pants. Oh my gosh, yes. <clears throat> what should have happened right then was Columbia Records or whoever should have bought Napster that day. That day <laughs> and said like, we this is the new technology. This is what's yeah, going to drive the new mm-hmm. music. And you know, they should have dove into it. No, they fought it. They are still mm-hmm. fucking fighting they're it. Fr- yeah. They're afraid of it. That's why. You know, they don't, they do not, they don't know what to do. And they keep coming up with all these stupid, there's this new technology. And I, I apologize. I know somebody out there, Hal, you probably know what it's called, um, <clears throat> where they can put a kind of code on the song and like you only, Ugh. somehow they know that it's, that's the only original version or some horse shit wow, like that's, that. Uh-huh. That's not it. 
You're missing the fucking point. This, this, the internet is an opportunity to actually really spread music and to get like build excitement about new music. It is like Mm -hmm. it's waiting for that. It is like what I have an I me and Joe Freeman and my friend uh, Carrie uh, uh, did a like a year of podcasts on what musicians can do to actually leverage. The the, the, the the internet the industry isn't going to do it the industry is still stuck in this 1970s and 80s and 90s like record label when you get signed and blah blah blah, blah 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 that is not how it's done anymore that's that is so fucking over it's been over okay and there are so many artists out there that are like micro indie little businesses and they're doing great and they've got their core following and they don't give a fuck they don't need you so let us play the music let let youtubers let right you know and then let the then you guys figure out another way to monetize it but you have this music is not gonna fucking survive it's not gonna go anywhere if you do not embrace what is going on? It's st- streaming music and stuff is what twenty five years old now, or yeah. almost thirty yeah, years old, right? and they're still uh, fucking fighting it. Uh, it's ridiculous. It's redonkulous. It's redonkulous. <laughs> okay, so I just wanted to kind of share that with you guys. I want to know what you guys think. Feel free to leave some comments. Um, this day in music. Ooh. Let's get to this. Let's get to this. That was this my is, favorite part. This is one of my favorite things. The quarry, the quarrymen. Oh, I've heard of them. You ever heard of the quarrymen? They never went on to do anything they else. They never did anything else. It's really a sad, <laughs> really sad thing. It was three years later when they uh, appeared again at the cavern under the new, their new name, the Beatles. So they appeared at the, uh, <laughs> the the cavern club this day in 1958. This also in 58, Elvis was at number one of the UK singles charts with Jailhouse Rock. What a great wow, song. there you what go. What a great fucking song. Uh, Epstein didn't kill himself, but he signed a management deal with the Beatles to receive 25% uh, of the band's gross earnings. The normal management deal was 10%. This is Brian Epstein. He's very smart. (laughs) Yes, yes. Uh, Otto uh, Harbach uh, died at at the age of 90 in New York City. He co-wrote Smoke Gets in Your Eyes. Oh, he's old. He was old. Um, The Doors appeared at Madison Square Garden in New York City. They were paid over $50,000 for the gig, making them one of the highest paid acts that that year in 1969, dudes. Dudes. Uh, okay. In this day in 1969, New Jersey state prosecutors issued a warning to U.S. record dealers that they would be charged with distributing pornography if they were caught selling the John Lennon Yoko Ono LP Two Virgins. The front cover of the album showed the pair uh, frontally nude, while the back cover showed them from behind. The album still managed to reach 124 in the U.S., but failed to chart at all in the U.K., where only 5,000 copies were ever pressed. I assure you, nobody's getting off on that. No, not Yoko. On this day in 1970, Led Zeppelin appeared at Leeds. On this day in 1976. Uh, Mr. Bob Dylan, who we talked about earlier, started a five-week run at number one on the U.S. chart with his 17th studio album, Desire. The album features 
Hurricane, which protests the conviction of former middleweight boxer Reuben Hurricane Carter for triple song. murder in 1966, arguing his innocence. I love that song. <clears throat> yeah, it's a cool song. And um, a lot of people have talked about that. Other musicians have done songs about uh, the, the hurricane as well. On th- This is so cool. Yeah. Maybe this is what bands should do. Yeah. Everybody's talking about nobody wants to hear new music. Maybe if they did what I'm about to tell you the Pink Floyd did on this day in 1980, yeah. maybe we could turn a couple things around. Okay. In 1980, on this day, a billboard was erected. Um, on Sunset Strip, Beavis and <laughs> West Hollywood, wow. California, to promote Pink Floyd's new album at the time, The Wall. Oh, so that was a new album at one time. Once upon a time. Once upon a time, a blank wall was pasted up. <laughs> Each day, a brick was removed to slowly reveal the inside spread and the title of the album. Well, Clever. That's something. There you go. Brilliant. Let's do something, guys. You could do stuff. Come on. There's there's a great idea right there. We're giving you the ideas. I know. I know. What's the matter with people? What's the matter with people? Uh, 1999, The Offspring went to number one. The UK single charts with Pretty Fly for a White Guy. <laughs> I hate that song. <laughs> that was my ex-husband to a team. So it really? isn't only rockers that get into get themselves into trouble. Yeah. On this day in 2005, country singer Lynn Anderson was arrested for shoplifting. After her and her and Winona Ryder should hang out. Yeah, right, right? they should. <clears throat> After being wow. caught stealing a Harry Potter wow. DVD from a New Mexico supermarket and punching a police officer during her arrest, <laughs> 57-year-old had uh, the 70s top hit Rose Garden. Wow. Breaking the law. Promise. Breaking the law. Yeah, or breaking the law. Yeah. Wow. On this day. <laughs> Tell me to, to go to rehab. I say no, no, no. Oh. Amy Winehouse was admitted into rehab and about to kick her addiction to drugs. A statement from her record company, Universal, said she entered the facility after talks with her record label management family and doctors to continue her ongoing recovery against drug addiction. Which mm. clearly she liked to party. Listen to the song Rehab. Yeah. She just wanted to party and listen to music. She wanted to listen to Ray That's Charles all. and get wasted. Sometimes yeah. I'm just going to pull it back. Uh, very sad this day in 2017 Allman Brothers band uh, drummer uh, Butch Trucks died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head in West Palm Beach you know you think if you were in the Allman Brothers and you were living in West Palm Beach that you probably had the world by the ass but I guess not Uh, let's we got we got a um, uh, we got some birthdays Z- you know who Zeke Carey is? I do now that I'm reading it. Yes, I <laughs> only have eyes for you. I uh, wrote that, uh, Born This Day in 1933. Aaron Neville. There you Tell go. Tell it like it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know much with Linda Ronstadt. Yep, Born yep. 1941. One of the Neville brothers. Not much. Uh, Neil Diamond. Bump, bump, bump. Do you remember Desiree? That is, that is bad. He wrote the, the I'm a, what people don't realize is um, that Neil Diamond was a songwriter before yes. he was like an artist mm. in his, of right. writing songs for other people. Um, so cool. Uh, Ray Stevens. And they yeah. call him the streak. God <laughs> <laughs> asshole. But it was too late. She'd already been mooned. <laughs> Incensed. Uh, oh, Werewolves of London. Oh. Happy birthday to Mr. Warren, Warren Zevon. Um, what am I? <laughs> oh, you're a zit. Happy birthday to John Belushi. Oh. That was an improv thing he did. By was me. it really? It was improv. Oh yeah. man, it was improv. I just 
Saiger. There's a great YouTube channel called Landom C. And it is all about classic movies and classic television uh-huh. shows. And it just works like mini documentaries. And it's super fun. And I just watched the one on um, Animal House. Animal House? Really oh, good. nice. You know, and I saw, um, speaking of movies, I just watched um, uh, Point Blank with Lee Marvin. Oh, and wow. speaking of, I'm, I'm going to bring it back to John okay, Belushi, okay. Animal House. John Vernon, you know, zero yes. point Zero. Yes. That was his first movie. Was was uh, it really? Was um, uh, Point Blank Point with Lee Blank Marvin? With oh, yeah. Wow. yeah. It's his introducing John Vernon. How about that? Very interesting. Matthew Wilder. Ain't nothing gonna break my stride. Money gonna blow me down. Oh no. I'm gonna get a copyright strike for this. <laughs> um, was born this day in 1953. Wow. Jules Holland. And Kevin says he's never seen live with Ju- later with Jules Holland. No, no, you no, should watch it. it. Uh-huh. It's fan fucking tastic. It's all great, great bands, great music. Cool. But uh, he was a founding <laughs> member of Squeeze. Went on to create a later with go. Jules Holland on the B B B B B B B C. Beth Hart, American singer songwriter, blues musician, done some records with Joe Bonamassa. Yes. Happy birthday to Beth Hart. Happy birthday, Beth. Christopher River Hess. Drummer with and this band, I'm sure you guys need to change your name. The band drummer with the band Hoobastank. You never want stank, <laughs> Not stank. in a name in your band name. No. Ever. No. They're a lot later than I thought. I thought they were nineties. The 90s. reason is you. <laughs> that is this day in music. There you go. All right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, moms and dads, children of all ages, Woo. this is the end. Wow. The Ludini. You got your money's worth tonight. I know. We really hit almost an hour and a half. Wow. Um, We're going to go, once we get guests on here, we're going to be going to Joe Rogan territory. Then we're going to have to be doing (laughs) mushrooms and all that. Take a nap. (laughs) I don't like mushrooms on my pizza. Or anchovies. So, guys, thanks so much for um, hanging out with us. I am going to tell you because I have it. Uh, what next week's show is next Ooh. week will be the, uh, the 31st yeah 10 bands that remind us that classic rock isn't dead so there are bands so we're talking about new music right sure or, more current yes it doesn't have to be like out this week mm-hmm. but we're gonna be we're gonna be telling you guys about current bands that really keeping that great guitar yes. driven rock blues rock kind of stuff so alive there and there's and we do we do we do, but we're gonna we're gonna keep it to ten. We're gonna call this part one. Part one. <laughs> we can have part ten. We can do a part oh, million. But that is part of our job as pod as music podcasters is to keep you all informed. I'll send them from the south uh, about <laughs> about great music. So we will be doing that next week. Ten bands that remind us that classic rock is not dead. Yeah. So keep that uh, keep that at the front of your brains there for next week. Uh, Ludini Rock and Roll Circus dot com and Lou Lombardi Music dot com. You can get uh, uh, all access to exclusive downloads, our uh, exclusive uh, private Facebook group, as well as things like our YouTube archive and show notes and all kind of stuff. Links, all kind of stuff there. Ludini Rock and Roll Circus dot com, Lou Lombardi Music dot com. Please uh, please visit uh, pay, uh, patronize our sponsor, Wolf's Customs. 
go to check out Wolf's Customs um, and get custom uh, work done on your uh, musical instrument. And um, we, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, we have Lily V6 here from Rock Rage Radio. We're very lucky to have her here. So, Lily, tell us a little bit about your show and what you got going on. My show is on Thursdays. It's called Hot Licks with Lily 6. Um, it's p.m. Eastern Time to 8 p.m. Eastern Time uh, on Rock Rage Radio. You can get the app for free or just um, listen right on the website. Uh, I do a lot of event announcements, play at least... 15 new songs every week and I don't know what you're looking at there but also <laughs> I do interviews and I will be doing one this week as well with um gosh I'm gonna feel so stupid it's the guy from Saigon Kilk Phil Verone from Saigon Kilk there you go <laughs> Is, this is, is that the band? Love is on the way. Yeah. yeah that's the, why don't we talk about that Ooh. band? They're 90s. That's 90s, that's, isn't it? It's, oh, what? it's, it's like 1990. It's the order. Yeah. Oh. So that, yeah. that's it's why I did not had, mention that. The thing about them is like they had that ni- 80s vibe. But they didn't. They, yeah. they weren't, in a, they weren't yeah. an 80s band. It was right. interesting. It's very, you know, a band that I was going to talk about tonight, but it turns out when I looked them up, they're more of a 90s band, is um, Driving yeah. and Crying. Oh, yes. yeah. That's that's um, yeah, definitely very 80s sound. Yeah, though. yeah, they do. They have an eight. They have, but they there was one of them that kind of started, but they reached their like the, the songs you guys know, and really their main thing was in more like in the nineties and not so much. Um, but there's a bunch we could talk about. I've got oh, a, gosh, like a I list. At least do you remember, remember this band right here? Yes. You know, you know these guys. These guys, there's a there's a ton. I mean, like the the '80s, man. I hope every decade, actually, right? There's those every like like, we go. Shit, I forgot about them. They were so awesome. There are so many that have been overlooked, but you'll know at least one or two. There's a lot of great music out there, and we are here to tell you all about it. Um, Pittsburgh, Kevin, anything you want to add? Well, you know, you're talking talking tonight about Jeff Healy. I'm I'm kind of inspired. You know, I play guitar, I play bass, but I want to learn to. You know, he learned to play the trumpet. I want to learn to play the clarinet. But the clarinet. I'm go- but no, I'm gonna. But I'm gonna learn how to play the clarinet in my lap. Oh my I'm pretty excited about that. I'll keep you guys updated. Send video. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. You everybody have a great week, and we will, as I say every week, we will catch you all on the next Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. <laughs>